0: Welcome to Pitch Intense, the Entertainment Movie Pitching Podcast, and today we are pitching horror movies. I'm always Mike. And I'm Darren. As usual. Uh, yeah, we're still in lockdown, so we are still doing this over Skype, so again, apologies if there's any audio issues, if there's any audio sort of messing up or whether it not being too clear because we are still stuck in each other not each other's houses that would be really weird <laughs> just holing up in each other's houses without prior knowledge
1: just no the podcast must go on Michael that's the most important thing so yeah. abandon your loved ones and
0: come and sleep on my couch <laughs> yeah get in the bunker remain in the bunker <laughs> so you don't spread anything
1: Oh, God. I, need, I, I nearly had a fight with a Domino's guy last night because he did not follow social distancing when he was giving me my pizza. What a prick. What did he do? Uh, he, 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 he knocked on my door, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I opened it, and he wasn't two foot away.
0: What he a
1: bastard. With some boxes. What an <laughs> arsehole. What a prick. <laughs> Strange that that's now, like, how we, we judge people. Yeah. He was handing me the thing I had ordered off
0: of him. And I was the one going,
1: oh, what are you doing, mate? No.
0: <laughs> you literally summoned him to your house and was annoyed when he was there. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. It's a strange world we live in. It's a horrible time to be alive.
0: Ah! Very good. Very good. Yeah. So as we said, we are pitching horror movies today. Now, me and Darren are not horror movie fans, so to no. speak. We have reviewed a grand total of one and a half horror movies on the entirety of Popscorn. So it's safe to say it's not a genre we go to, but it seemed like an interesting challenge, one that was on the, the master list of topics we could have done. Mm-hmm. Plus, this seems it seems pretty pertinent to do this now after the weird success of the Invisible Man movie.
1: Yeah. That was that kind of caught everyone off guard and has now made I think the Universe have now gone, oh okay, we can do the Dark Universe but we just need to make
0: it scary. Who knew? Yeah, we just need to do low-budget Blumhouse films of all of our franchises and actually put some creative effort into making them and not just put Tom Cruise fighting a mummy. And it works. Who knew? When you do horror and make it scary, it's good. I know. I will point out. Now, I can only speak of mine?
1: But we are hopefully steering clear of anything too
0: pandemic-y. Yeah, I've very much not done that.
1: Oh, a uh, little update. Um,
0: <laughs> Go on. Uh,
1: I've, they finally found something that can stop New Amsterdam slash Jesus Hospital. <laughs> right. Apparently, they filmed an episode called Pandemic that was meant to be their season finale. Oh,
0: no. And I went to
1: watch it. Like, new season came up on uh, on um, Amazon Prime. We paid for it, obviously. We have nothing better to do than watch Jesus Hospital. And the actors had to come on and say... Uh, right, hi everybody. Um, this was going to be uh, like part one of three of our season finale or something like that, but uh, it's literally about a virus that has not many symptoms and has a, an alarming spread rate. So we thought maybe it's not the best to put that out right now however unfortunately we introduced a new character in this episode that is very pertinent to the other two parts oh, so god. we've stitched all of his so here's the asian guy from lost and all of his scenes stitched <laughs> together for five minutes <laughs> and then we'll move on to part two um, <laughs> so it turns out oh, not everything oh. is possible at jesus hospital oh, it god. can be stopped and they have my god I, this is a complete tangent but they have gone all out on Jesus Hospital to prove that all things are possible this season. Right. Among the things they've tried to stop, the opioid addiction crisis, mm. gun violence, and incest. These have all been topics <laughs> this year. It's lost its goddamn mind. <laughs> I need to watch Jesus Hospital. Uh, you should, Oh, my God, you should. It's, it's actually now driving towards the point. There's one episode where I thought, oh, my God, here we go. They're actually going to show that it's Jesus Hospital because praying to God works. Like, oh, like, like, like actual proof that it works happens in one of the episodes. And I'm like, they're not even trying to be subtle anymore. <laughs>
0: they're listening to me. They've got my ideas. I so hope that that is like, when they eventually have to end the series, he just ascends to heaven and oh. it's Jesus Hospital. And that would be the best goddamn well, thing. I mean, especially if they've got a guy
1: from Lost, I feel like they're going down that route because for years, people were like, I think they're stuck in purgatory and eventually they got no better ideas of how to finish lost and went, yeah, they're basically stuck in purgatory. <laughs> yeah. So if they've got so- a lost guy on board, maybe
0: that's what they're prepping us for. they're <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> Right. We are listening. If we can't end this show any better, we're yeah. going to pull a lost.
1: Exactly. 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 Please do watch Jesus Hospital. It's a perfect show to be watching right now because it's such schlock, but it's, 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 well put together schlock for the most part. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> anyway, hell. Um, so yeah, we've avoided anything too virusy, uh, hopefully, but uh, I think we're going to have two very different ways of going about this.
0: I think we are. Um, and I say, as is tradition, it's not tradition, but the last two pitches, you went first, so now it is my turn. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with mine. Um, so like we just said i'm not particularly a horror movie fan that's why i've kind of gone down the horror drama route Mm -hmm. um and it is based on i don't want to say based on a true story and i don't want to say based on true events because they both mean very different things and if i say true story then that means the bits i've invented are horrible and if i say based on true events it's just well you've stitched things together and made a story out of them Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say it is based on a true life how about that okay that sounds a bit right cool okay uh so my movie starts with a cold open uh it's set in budapest in 1936 it's an evening at a small cafe and a man named uh, Jean boros walks in and sits alone at a small table After a few moments spent lighting a cigarette, he holds his head in his hands before approaching the gypsy band playing in the corner and passing them some sheet music, asking them to play the song written down on the notation. And they do. During the song, uh, Jean wells up with tears and sits motionless at his table. And as the song reaches its crescendo, Jean pulls out a handgun and fires two rounds into his chest. There is panic in the cafe and the owner storms out from the kitchen and yells at the band, you fools, don't play that accursed song. You'll kill us all. The camera pulls out from Jean's body to show the title on the sheet music sitting on the stand. And the title is Gloomy Sunday. That would be the title of the movie in any region that could, you know, find that appropriate. So like UK and Europe, Uh, but in... Uh, america would probably call this movie dirge right i
1: i'm sorry but i thought they turned the sheet over and it said lavendertown music
0: <laughs>
1: oh no it's the curse
0: song i want you to keep Lavender Town in mind because it's very similar beautiful this is an absolutely true story based on a song that causes people to commit suicide. So, oh, it is the lavender <laughs> <Yeah>. tip. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I ruined your movie. Carry on. No, it's fine. Uh, okay, so we're gonna from the title of "Gloomy Sunday," we're going back three years to 1933, where we meet the main character of our story, Rezo Sures, who's being played by Domino Gleason. Uh, he's mid-argument with his lover stroke partner uh, Iona who is being played by Catriona Balfi Uh, have you I'm hoping I pronounced that right have you seen Outlander by any chance no I have not okay well just google Outlander at the end of this it's the main character from Outlander Uh, the two are currently having a heated argument which ends in them splitting up Uh, as Ceres exits uh, Iona's apartment we watch him walk home through an economically crushed Budapest the streets are lined with beggars and homeless and the buildings are in bad states of repair uh, nearby to Rezo's building when he gets home a man has been dragged into the street and is savagely being beaten by members of the Arrow Cross which if you don't know what that is that is the Hungarian section of the Nazi party so uh later At a later point in time at the Kiss Pippa restaurant, which is a real restaurant in in Budapest, uh, Rezo is playing the the piano. He is a composer by trade. Two men enter the restaurant where he's playing, uh, one of which is a poet called Laszlo Yavor, who's been played by George Mackay from 1917. Uh, During this performance, Laszlo takes note of the playing style and the the notation, the compositing style of Rezo Ceres uh, and notably a song that he's titled called The World Is Ending, uh, which is a song about shrapnel raining from the sky and blood-red people lining the streets. And when it ends, Laszlo approaches Rezo and says, this music is beautiful. Who wrote this? To which Rezo replies, well, I did. Uh, The two have a friendly conversation before parting ways. A few days later, Rezo, still depressed from the separation with his lover, walks along the bank of the Danube River, uh, where he stumbles across Laszlo, writing with visible anger and sadness on his face. And the two start up another conversation, where we learn that Laszlo was rejected by his muse and feels brokenhearted after this rejection. He asks Rezo to take a look at a poem that he's written, which describes a man inviting his forlorn lover To his own funeral, uh, with the subtext being that the funeral is a a product of suicide that has been sort of meditated and planned. Uh, Rezo comments that the world is ending. The song that he was playing at the Kiss Papa restaurant uh, would actually fit the meter of this poem better and starts to whistle the tune to it as Yavo recites the words to the beat. Uh, The two walk along the river collaborating on the work, which leads into some time and perhaps the small little montage of the two working together to write the song Gloomy Sunday. Uh, The song is then performed at the Kispapa restaurant by the two men to a positive response, apart from a single person in the room uh, who is a music publisher that Rezo has invited um, to to the restaurant that evening to get the song out there. Uh, The man says to Rezo, it's not that the song is sad, but there is a sort of terrible, compelling despair about it. I don't think it would do anyone any good to hear a song like that. But regardless of that warning, sometime later, the song is published as sheet music and proves to be quite popular in the Hungarian music scene, uh, in particular with sort of gypsy bands in areas that are kind of crushed by poverty and. Um, so Laszlo goes to celebrate with a poet friend of his after the song is published uh, and the song is being performed and it seems quite advantageous. He celebrates with a drink. However, the atmosphere in the atmosphere the atmosphere in the room uh, is notably different from that of its first performance. Everybody in the audience shudders and some even leave the room during its performance. And Laszlo watches in disbelief as the song that proves so popular during the writing phases confuses and terrifies the people that he wrote it for. Following uh, the good fortune of getting a song published and actually becoming potentially wealthy, Rezo tries to reconnect with the owner um, he goes to her apartment to talk things over, but when he arrives, he calls out to her and gets no response. He enters the apartment and he finds Iona dead, slumped over a table next to an empty vial of poison. Near her, there is a note that reads only two words, Gloomy Sunday. Rezo is denied entry to Iona's funeral and is called into questioning uh, by uh, Captain Nemeth, uh, who's being played by Mikhail Oh god. Mikhail Persbrandt? I think that's how you pronounce it. Have you seen Sex Education? I have not. Ah, uh, there's a character in there called Jakob, uh he plays that character. Uh, I've been working through Sex Education recently. I don't find it a particularly good show, but I like this guy a lot. So, <laughs> I wanted to put him in there. Oh, uh, anyway, I'm Captain Goose. Yeah, you should. Uh Captain Nemeth is a police captain who works on suicide cases as the suicide rate in Hungary is rising. Uh, Nemeth is noticeably cold during his questioning of Rezo and asks if he knows exactly what Gloomy Sunday refers to. Rezo confides that it is a song of his that he wrote, although he had no contact with the owner for months prior to her suicide. Rezo is in a bit of a slump at this moment and meets with Laszlo afterwards to talk over the effects of their song. During this conversation, whilst they are sat in a park, Rezo sees Iona, clear as day, standing next to a man sat on a bench. And distraught, Rezo rushes over to the man, calling out Iona's name, for her to disappear when he reaches her, as if she was never there. The man is seemingly unresponsive even to Rezo's line of questioning, asking where the woman who was standing next to him just went, and he leaves in despair. That same night, the man on the bench... John John Boris would go to the restaurant and fatally shoot himself in the chest whilst listening to Gloomy Sunday this would not be the first of suicides though Uh, during one night where uh, Laszlo and Rezo go to a Budapest theatre a singer and dancer called Mile Olga Kerekez comes onto stage and sings Gloomy Sunday to a silent theatre with no response people are shocked that this song is being performed and she runs off stage crying. Rezo starts to panic and tries to make his way backstage to talk to the dancer, uh, but the manager can't get her to come out of her dressing room. When, once the door is broken down, she's found to have poisoned herself. Days later, a shoemaker that Laszlo um, frequents the shop of leaves a suicide note at his, um, well, site of suicide, which contains direct quotation lyrics of the gloomy sunday song and request that the one that 100 of the white roses mentioned in the lyrics are placed at his grave at this point pe- the police begin to suppress the song and rezzo and laszlo are both called in for questioning they learn that 18 suicides uh, two after live performances others after listening to a recorded version on a gramophone and a few f- bodies found in the danube river holding the sheep music are linked to this song specifically. Um, In a kind of graphic case, uh, you find out that one of Laszlo's um, sort of distant relatives called Elizabeth Gulai, who is a 15-year-old girl who is depressed that her crush has moved away, um, runs away from home at night under the pretense of getting medicine for a sick mother and throws herself into the Danube, leaving a note saying, if you have someone sing Gloomy Sunday to you, you'll understand. The... The idea that the song seems to be causing people to kill themselves Is driving Rezo mad And he starts seeing Iona at different places around the city Standing near people, looking over people Who then later go on to commit suicide This sends, um, this sends Rezo into a spiral of depression um, And he feels ever more targeted than ever before Now that he's famous for producing this deadly song He is accosted by, um, what was his name? Captain Nemeth, um, who accuses Ceres of orchestrating the suicides through the song itself and basically trying to try him for murder or manslaughter. Um, During this questioning, Ceres is kept in isolation where Nemeth reveals himself to be a member of the Arrow Cross and knows that Rezo was born in Budapest, but actually moved to France before the events of the movie. Uh, where he changed his name to Rezo Ceres from, I believe it's Johann Spitzer. Um, basically, at this point, we find out that not only is Rezo uh, living in poverty, he's also Jewish and is very much going to be the uh, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here, Darren. I'm trying to think of a word. He's going to be a target for persecution. I was going to say poster child, but uh, I'm feeling that would have been a bit off base. Probably would have been a bit off base. Um, At this point, Nemeth hands Saress over to the Nazis. He's sent to a camp in Ukraine laszlo seeing the effects of this song flees to france uh, and we get this beautiful sweeping shot of laszlo running through the city trying to get out of budapest um where people can be seen crying in the streets and singing the song's lyrics and as he crosses one of the suspension bridges we just see a line of people jumping into the river all holding the sheet music so yeah again that because of just i was saying this to you before the episode it's just a succession of people dying It's kind of not interesting. Uh, The epilogue, though, and again, I do want you to bear in mind this, in terms of Rezo Ceres' life, this is all a true story. Um, The epilogue of the film would be set in 1968. Um, The shot begins with an identification number tattoo on Ceres' arm from the internment camp. We pan out to see that Rezo is now a much older still living in abject poverty, still not having claimed on the royalties that he was owed for this song, because of fear of being found out and persecuted. Uh, He spends his days staring out of the window of his own apartment in an economically battered Hungary. On this particular day, though, he sees a young woman put a record player on in the opposing building, where the Billie Holiday version of Gloomy Sunday is playing. And upon hearing this music, for the final time, Iona appears to him, but instead of towering over another person or standing next to them this time she stares directly at rezo and the final shot of the movie is the camera pulling away from that window as rezo rises slowly out of his chair opens the window and jumps out so that's basically it um i can provide a little bit more context as to why all of that's happening in terms of history if you'd like by all means cool um so this is a really interesting story for me because that's um it's based upon this idea that uh, you know a song can commit some make somebody commit suicide or kill themselves or like there's any form of like mind control there but when you look at the uh sort of the historical and economic situation that was going on at this time uh, it was following the wall street crash so it was sort of slap bang in the middle of the great depression at that time um hungary's biggest export was grain And the prices really fell, which basically caused their economy to completely fall apart. Um, And then obviously you've got, um, I think it was Operation Panzerhurst, which is what I'm trying to allude to at the end of this film, where the Arrow Cross Party, which is the Hungarian branch of the Nazis, basically invited the Nazis in to completely suppress Hungary so that they would support them. It was fucked. It was totally fucked. Um, But Rezo Ceres' life is just so interesting. He could have been a millionaire. He could have made so much fucking money. As soon as it got out in the press that people were killing themselves for this song, uh, both British and American recording artists rushed out to make their own version of it, which led to uh, the Billie (laughs) Holiday version of it. And the Hungarian suicide song became a big thing. Um, But it's... You know, I wanted to make it this film be scary in the sense of you will see people completely lose all humanity and just end their lives Mm -hmm. on the occurrence of hearing a song. But the real horror is what was going on, is that the people had no alternative. People had nothing to live for and then they would be persecuted and then their country would change and then there would be nothing worth living for. So there we go. That's my incredibly upbeat horror movie based on a real story. <laughs> cool. Well,
1: if you want to, like, glom onto a trend, you could call it the Curse of La Iona. Uh,
0: ah, yeah, in- <laughs> 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 yeah. It's really um, hard to just say things that are just somebody appears on screen, somebody else appears on screen and then die. Like, yeah, that's the least interesting part of a horror movie because it's literally all visual and it's hard for me to tell you about that. I, I mean, keep that in mind for what's about
1: to happen. Um, sure. But, uh, there we go. Um, no, I liked it, I, I liked it, I liked its gravity. I like the fact that it's not overtly supernatural. So, <laughs> at one point, you say he was locked in the concentration camp and wanted to get out, so he just started singing the song of the Nazis and they all just started shooting themselves <laughs> and he just walked through the gate.
0: Uh, <laughs> There's, there was a lot of things I could have done Like I could have crowbarred in so much Bullshit but I felt like it would be More pertinent and probably even more Poetic to it just be It's it's just the tale of These two guys at the end of their rope Going mad as their song mm-hmm. Proves to be a negative influence on their own Country rather than it being Let's use the song as like Fucking warfare that wouldn't be interesting No no I mean I, I, I just want to Two things
1: um, one, I have actually watched a horror movie kind of this week. I finally got round to watching Midsummer. Oh yeah, which I can best describe as an ASMR horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, d- do if you can do give it a watch. It's it's very interesting, if not necessarily good. Mm. Um, it's and, and yeah, there are some parts of it that could genuinely be cut up into a very good ASMR video. Um, but it, it just it's got Florence Pugh in it. It's got, um oh, what's his name? Oh, Jesus! Um, hang on, got, <laughs> is it Jesus? Is it Jesus Hospital? It's not. It's not Jesus Hospital. Not all things are Jesus Hospital, though they should be. Um, you'll know who he is when I say his name. He always plays the weirdo. Uh, hang on, Midsummer Cast. This is a complete diversion because I'm buying time before mine. Oh, Will Poulter, who was Oh he, yeah, I mean, he's got a weird face and therefore has to play like weird bad people. Yeah. Um, and it's got um. A guy from, uh, oh, he's cheedy in um, ah, Kirsten Bell's sitcom about the afterlife. I've no idea. Oh, Jesus Christ. What's it I'm, called? I'm looking at the cast. The good place. Here, it says, the good place. Say, the good it says place. Jack Rayner. Is that the guy? Uh, yes. Yeah, so he's, um, I, I don't know what else he's been in. I think he's been in something that teenage girls like because I know someone knows him. But anyway, uh, Will, Will, William Jackson Diller is from The Good Place. Um, but anyway, please do watch it. It's about a weird paganistic cult in Sweden mm. uh, and Americans going, the fuck? Um, anyway, so I have watched some horror movies, so that's good. Uh, and the same thing is that story reminded me of a story I'd forgot about. Like, a, a um, uh, um, like not a hor- it's not a horror movie. It's a true event that's kind of left unexplained An um, unsolved mystery. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. There was a guy, I don't know what year it was, I don't know where it was. He walked into a bar, shot a guy, sat down, like, completely calm, no like a or anything, shot the bloke in the back of the head, Shot, sat down and just said, I have committed murder, please phone the police, I want to be arrested. And just went away, didn't say anything, got put away for life and didn't even peep was fine about it. And I was thought, that could be a good idea for the movie where, like, you start with that and then kind of make it seem like he basically shot Hitler, too. But they don't really work as a horror movie, so I'm going to store that away for something else we could work on maybe in the future. I'm just gonna. That sounds fun. That sounds like a good film. Like, you could loop it around. So in the, you start off with making him, like, the abject bad guy because you just shot, a, like, an innocent dude. And it's kind of like a minority report time travel deal where he, you know, he knows he's got to go back and do what he has to do mm. to stop something very bad happen, but he's going to get sent down for murder, so... I'm gonna put that away. That can be stored for later on. Now <laughs> oh god. Now I have written a blow for blow version of mine of like this happens and then this happens and this happens. But not to give myself a disadvantage, I'm not particularly fond of it. Fair enough. Because like you said, it's it's like you said, it's it's hard to describe the interesting part of the horror movie is the horror stuff. But it's it's very it's very easy to show, it's very hard to tell and make yeah. it actually because i mean i can describe an action set piece or a superhero movie or a comedy to you and, and get the points across but this you kind of because because most horror movies when they're doing their here don't use dialogue it's therefore yeah. hard to talk through it i mean this is why and both of us can attest to this the first thing you learn if you learn it when you do films in media studies the first thing you do is horror because it is the most basic bitch of the genres Oh, it, yeah. has, it has it it has some nuance, but it's not difficult to understand because it's, you know, it's not to bring up my favorite thing of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it attacks the base level of that. And that's easy for everyone across the world to kind of, you know,
0: associate with. It does. Plus, it, 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 it tells you about sort of filming language in the in the basic rule of show, don't tell, basically, yeah. because you can't tell some like you can tell a scary story, but it's not as effective as putting it in front of your face.
1: Yeah writing deep characters and wonderful dialogue and, and really intricate action pieces is, is a lot harder
0: to do than just going, boo, ah! Um, so that's why you learned that. First. Yeah, I did, I did not want to do jump scares. I was like, no, I'm writing a horror movie with no jump scares. I have, because I have seen... What was that bloody movie
1: I watched? I have seen another horror movie. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was called. It was it was shite. I went, I went to watch it with someone. I, I wasn't happy about it, but I went. And it was um, it was it had like these two kids, their mom and dad like shot themselves. And these two kids had basically gone feral. Mama, that was it. Something that is like called Mama or something like that, where these two kids had like, you know, been abandoned in the woods and found this um, spooky ghost thing that kind of raised them and and turned them feral. And there was a lot of good instances of there of where you're looking at the character, but behind them you can see something very weird happening in silence and whatever and it's not really jump scares, it's more, oh God, that thing's coming. I-, I wanted to make that the kind of main gist of my movie, though I have got some jump scares. So mine is not based on a true story. Uh it's more of like I thought, right, so going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't know what it is, look it up. Um but <laughs> it's basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a triangle that explains basic human needs what you need to do the five stages of being a human you need to achieve before you've achieved being an elite level human um it starts with base needs of you need air you need um you need food and you need water and you need shelter once you've got those you then qualified to try and go after level two which is security and like having all those things long term then you move up to three which is the love level where you're getting um you know, you have relationships, you can breed, et cetera, et cetera. Then you move up to level four, where you get a career and you're being successful. And then you get to level five, where you help other people with their triangles. Um, yeah. Like, God, I love Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> horror, like I said, is easy, because it only really affects the base one. I don't want to die. Please stop trying to kill me. So I thought, well, the problem with doing horror movies, in my opinion, in the modern day, is always you have the questions of, well, why don't they just shoot the thing? Mm. Why, why, why are they going upstairs in the house when they hear the noise? Modern day, I think it's a lot harder to do because there's just so many ways of like well, phone the police, get a large group of people, do all these things that, that you know, happens. And although logic shouldn't always be the be all and end all in movies, I always find it very problematic with horror movies because yeah, they're but- very shallow, very shallow characters that would have very shallow responses to these things. They wouldn't necessarily go. um, You know, it's the Herbie fully loaded problem. Um, (laughs)
0: Fuck's sake! Bring that up again. Whenever you Um, break this out, I'm just I know I'm getting some (laughs) grade A bullshit. Oh hell yes! So the Herbie fully
1: loaded problem, as I've explained before, (laughs) is that given a certain set of stimuli, movie characters nine times out of ten will not react as normal people would when the car starts talking acting of itself. Option one is run away. And that should be the only option you have. Run away and trying to crush it. Not go, huh? And accept it immediately and start racing in the thing, Lindsay. So (laughs) I'm applying that to horror movies. Nine times out of ten, I'm like, stop poking the bear. Don't, if you hear the noise upstairs and stuff is moving in the house, abandon that house. It is haunted. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and hold a seance and figure out what the problem was. Just fucking move. Get the the matches, burn it down, claim on the insurance. So I thought, if I'm going to do I'm only going to do this wooden horror movie thing. I thought, <laughs> right, you have to take it to a time where modern conveniences are not an immediate option, where you can't just leave, where you can't just shoot a thing. You have to take back to the most primitive. And I mean that literally. We are doing not the Neanderthal horror movie, but close to it. Because okay. I thought, when we humans the most... Um, vulnerable because at the moment we own the world we have dominion over every land and sea that we see back then when humans were just kind of getting their footing, stuff could eat us stuff could hunt us we were not necessarily the dominant species we were getting there we were doing pretty well for ourselves but there were still like saber-toothed tigers that could eat us and stuff like that so i thought that's where you do it because you're taking humans back to their most vulnerable and that's all horror movie is. it's about making the audience or vulnerable like bad things can happen to them and that's how you create tension so with that in mind this is set in 10,000 bc and it is called shadow s-a-h-d-o-w so shadow but split in two okay and it's set during the time of primitive man so they're not neanderthals these are like early homo sapiens yeah um and it's going to be set in what is now modern-day Romania, okay. um, where. So I'll, I'll I'll save the elevator pitch for later on. I'll, when when the reveal happens, I'll show you the reveal. Okay. So um, the basic gist is this: I'll, I'll I'll do the. It's also got a cold open, and then I'll kind of get into the 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 finer details. So um, we open on an elk moving through very snowy woods. Uh, it is a little away from its pack as the sun is setting. Uh, and we see it eating berries. Uh, the wind rustles at the branches and the elk kind of looks up, but nothing is moving. So it kind of goes back to eating what it was. Um, it starts to move back to its herd, but then a branch snaps and we see reflected in the, eye, in the eyes of the elk, uh, a figure running towards it in slow motion. Uh, the elk bolts and the whole herd runs um, for it. Several men in big animal furs give chase with spears. Uh, the men are shouting, Tala, Tala, Tala as they keep pace with this elk. Uh, As one of them breaks from the herd, one of the elks, uh, the men all follow it, and soon spears are flying. Um, They miss, and the elk looks, to be clear, as it's kind of outpacing the men. But then all of a sudden, a man drops onto it from a tree, breaking its legs upon impact. Um, The man then raises um, a stone above its head and smashes the elk's elk's skull straight through. Uh, The man, Tok Vu, uh, who's going to be played by jacob anderson from um game nice. Pro, he was a uh, gray worm in game Thrones. i know you'd like that um he crushes this elk's head and then starts leading the war chant of tala tala as the rest of his um hunting party kind of gather around him boom cut to titles shadow so the tala tribe uh let me just scroll down. Uh, the tala tribe of about 50 strong are moving to the new world uh, ethnically they are all from africa um you know because that's where homo sapiens and neanderthals kind of originated from so we're sticking with that mm-hmm. uh but they've been migrating for decades out of the harsh deserts of their homelands and into the colder climate so they've kind of gone what we're gonna do is they've got they've gone through egypt they've moved through the middle east where saudi arabia is then they're going through turkey and then they've come up near where modern day romania is so yeah picture lots of forests lots of snow um their chief potto vu uh who is played by regina king who was in uh, watchmen most recently uh the tv okay. series um she's the chief of the tribe and she has kept them moving in hopes of finding fertile uh, land uh, but they now find themselves trapped in dense heavily forested areas during winter something's gone wrong you know that they, they've kind of been caught out here and they're kind of stuck at the moment Uh, Though they press on, the the tribe's progress has been slowed to a crawl and they have constantly forced to bed down and forage and hunt for what they can for weeks on end. Uh, Tok Vu, our main character, is the son of Poto Vu and he leads the uh, hunter party um, as they wait for their shaman, Olo Zast, um, to figure out their next move. The shaman will be played by uh, Rob Morgan, who you'll know as Turk Barrett from the MCU Netflix series.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh,
1: he's he's going to be playing the uh, the uh, shaman of the tribe because um, I wanted to switch it around, because usually you see these movies the shaman is the woman and the head chief is the man I thought man fucking we'll we'll switch it around. why not um, I will point out they will be speaking I I, I kind of went back and forth on this I'm like do you have them speak like in uh, Far Cry Primal like make up a Neanderthal language and have them speak that hmm. or just have them speak basic English I'm going
0: with basic English because I want it to be accessible. Um, so I, you're not you're not going the uh plan to the apes route where you just do like I, I, what i mean with those films like i've seen cuts of those films where they put subtitles over the apes talking but i think i preferred not seeing that and just seeing like the the way that they sign and grunt to each other so you're, you're not doing that
1: well kind of you know when they get a bit more advanced and they kind of start saying some things in the later apes movies oh like in the last one Yes, yeah, so a kind of like that. It would be, it'd be a lot of gestures, a lot of simple mannerisms and body language, but they will be talking to each other, only like very basic English. Just very to get very apes
0: together strong, that kind of thing. Like exactly. strunk, struncated single word communication.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, which is going to make it hard to describe some of what's going to happen later, but there we are. Um, so one night a snowstorm traps the tribe deep in the forest so they are forced to bed down. Uh, this is uh, much to the dismay of Poto Vu's daughter, Yat Vu. And yes, I did name some of these after what Link says in the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you pronounce that. Uh, so Yat,
0: Yat. Is,
1: <laughs> uh is uh, played by Letitia Wright from Black Panther. Uh, she's Shuri in the Black Panther movies. Um, so she's Jacob Anderson, Tok Vu's sister. Uh, anyway, I've got to scroll back down. That, that's basically it for my cast. I've cast Mm. four people um so um yeah the snowstorm has trapped him and and uh Vu is quite annoyed about this and she kind of warned that this would happen because Olozaz is the one making the calls the shaman is the one saying no we need to drive deeper into the forest and she's kind of saying this isn't working um because she has she was born after they moved out of Africa so she has no knowledge of what it used to be like and she's constantly complaining to her brother. Both of them are sat out on guard duty on the edge of the camp. Uh, They'd have like very simple like shelters and stuff. Um, so they're sat on the edge of this camp. She's complaining about, you know, why are we doing this? It's freezing. Why can't we just go home? Um, but Top Vu remembers, you know, he remembers the hunger from his childhood of them not being able to grow and remembering this is why they decided to move. So they could try and find a better life because it just wasn't working where they were from um so to kind of stave off boredom the two of them decide to go out and see if there are any rabbits to hunt um they venture out into the darkness with only their torch and a spear each, playing to stay close to the camp uh they give chase to a deer which unexpectedly turns up um with top vu letting Iat vu uh lead the way uh Iat starts breaking away so much that top temporarily loses her uh, and we fo- kind of follow Iat at this point Uh, She gets so desperate to fell this deer that she throws her spear whilst falling over because she thinks the deer is about to escape from her. Yeah. Uh, And she hears the deer let out a cry and smiles and stands back up. She slowly stumbles towards a clearing where the deer fell, but finds no sign of the body, only its blood tailing off into the woods. Mm -hmm. So she does, however, find her spear, albeit with no blood on it puzzle. She starts to walk to, uh, after the blood, but stops after seeing something moving, something very, very big. Tok has caught up with her by this point, and the two of them hear a ripping sound before the deer's head lands at their feet. Iat screams, and the shape in the woods turns round. Red eyes, red glowing eyes, light up, and Tok grabs Iat by the hand and runs back towards the tribe whilst this thing kind of rises up. It's very big. It's about seven or eight foot as it kind of like comes up onto um, two legs, the two of them just run, and presume they've stumbled across a massive bear. Mm. They run back, alerting the camp, and the decision is made to send out the hunting party the next day. Uh, Though they don't come across anything, they do find evidence of what appears to be another tribe in the area. Cave drawings, patterns, ash marks from where fires have been. Uh, Upon seeing these drawings, uh, Tok... um, recreates them back at the camp that night. Tocqueville comes back and kind of recreates the, paint, the cave paintings. Mm. Uh, this alarms Zas the shaman. He has seen markings like this in his visions. He simply starts repeating, shadow, shadow, before retreating to his hut. Thinking their, sh- their shaman is mad, the camp settles down to sleep. Here we go. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, I want you to picture this as a combination of two of my favorite scenes from The Lost World which is a good Jurassic Park movie, and I'll fight anyone to the death who saves up or what. It's the combination of the T-Rex attacking the camp at night yeah. and don't go into the long grass, that's where the raptors are. Right, okay. I, I'm sh- i sure you're just as up on the Lost World as I am, Michael. Um, I, I know the scenes you're talking about. And you love it, sir. So. Good. Um, So in the middle of the night, we see guards patrolling the outside of the camp usually they're quite relaxed about this because they thought, well, the Moses is going to fight us. is like a, maybe a bear, but they've upped defenses this night. Um, as one puts his back to the forest, we see something appear silently out of the trees behind him. It drops down from a tree, but makes no noise. Um, all we can see is the red eyes. Um, it's, we can't really get a good look at it through the foliage, uh, foliage, um, but it's kind of moving closer and closer to the guard. We are just so in the shot. The guard is uh, front and right of the screen. Pretty, It's a, kind of a mid shot from the waist up. We can see him. He's looking back in towards the camp. And we can just see this thing making no noise whatsoever, moving closer and closer and closer to him. Mm. Um, we, can't see we eventually switch to a, a point of view shot from whatever this thing is when it's within grabbing distance. And it just grabs the guard, rips the head straight off, chucks it. Um, but the only sound we hear is a strange shuddering breathing of the creature whilst we're in the point of view mode. Mm. Um, picture, do you know the episode of The Simpsons where they <laughs> okay, go on go. a father-son rafting um, thing? It ends up with um, Homer and Flanders stuck at sea um, with Bart and Todd, um, Rod. But we then see there was another camp led by like some like one-off characters and they end up at a haunted campground and we. the end of the episode is a point of view of something moving through the bushes having like really like shuddering breathing and then it yeah. jumps on the main person kind of like that Is that picture, an early episode? Uh, no, I think it's like episode I haven't watched it yet we're playing through the Simpsons on Disney Plus I'm into season three and it hasn't happened it's like six and six, seven it's in the golden period Yeah. Um, but yeah, so picture picture the breathing kind of like the Dementors from Harry Potter of just like right. cold like rattling kind of breathing um so we see the other guards being
0: taken at this point um i know the episode you're talking about that's the one that's the episode with homer's sugar dance isn't it yes that's yes that's a great episode
1: he shoots the flare and it lands back up uh, and it hits a bird yeah and then they they pop the not, the pen pendai falls lots of times on the raft and then doesn't pop the raft, but then the sun hits the magnifying glass, burns a hole, and they start sinking.
0: Yes, yeah, the um, one.
1: Water, water everywhere. So let's all have a drink, and then he starts drinking seawater. Yeah. There's a Simpsons quote for everything. Um. So we see the get your head out the Simpsons. We see. <laughs> we see the other guards being taken. Um kind of in a similar level, like from the outside of the camp. I will point out, like, you, you might imagine there's a lot of light going on, but this is Primitive Man, so there's, like, a main fire, but that's about it. So it's mainly shadows, so you're not ever really getting a clear look at what these things are. Yeah. Um, We switch to inside the hut of Top Vu, where he's sleeping. As the huts are only wooden shelters, they're not very heavy. So whatever this thing is, he's just lifting up the hut that he's in. And we see it lifted up, say like a foot off the ground, and a black arm reaches in. It's jet black with fur and has long black fingers with sharp claws on the end. It's about to grab Tok Vu, but then a scream is heard, waking Tok Vu and the arm just withdraws and the, and the shelter comes back down. Yeah. Um, Tok grabs his spear and rushes out as the tribe are all doing the same. However, before they can find out what's happening, the torches are all snuffed out. The screams they can hear are that of the women, which is kept on the opposite side of the camp to the hunter men. So the men rush over. But as they run, we see a few getting picked off from the shadows, like the raptors in the long grass scene. You yeah. just see them running between shelters, but then you see something grab them and just pull them away. Um, Top makes it to the other side of the camp, only to hear his sister cry out for him. Um, we see her in the distance in the moonlight being dragged off by one of these creatures. Top gives chase, but soon loses her. Um so this is where I, I wrote most of this in two... Uh, this is a two-sittings job. That's okay. where the first one finishes. And this is where I came back to it weeks after going, right, you've got to finish this goddamn thing. Just get it down. Um, <laughs> so this is where this is where the scary stuff would really be happening. But again, it's kind of hard to describe it. Top become. I want you to see if you can see what I'm doing here, Michael. Okay. I, I'm hinting towards um, another major horror... Um, stereotype slash icon but you'll see top becomes aware that he's by himself uh he can't even hear the rest of the tribe he moves through the forest until until he sees light in the distance he moves towards it but from a low camera angle we see something moving above him so we're now on a shot we're following top we're low angle looking up towards the canopy
0: i think i figured out what you're doing
1: but keep going keep going and we can see something moving above him um, as he approaches the light an animal swoops down on him it sends Tok Vu flying, whatever was flying above him has now swooped down to get him uh, it sends Tok Vu flying but he uh, gets up and starts running soon more than one of these animals are chasing him it's smaller than the creature that attacked the camp and it has wings what um, eventually lands next to Tok it's a giant fucking bat like a proper big primeval fucking thing, it's huge yeah um it's about the size of like say it's about the size of uh a big dog that type of level of bat it's okay. huge think picture uh man bat from uh arkham knight okay that kind of thing not with like human legs or anything more bat like than that but that type of size that hedge um, yes exactly that hedge um top continues to run as the bat scratch and bites at him but he manages to grain one with a spear through the wing Um, the two square up to each other. The bat is about the size of a wolf. I've just written there. That's not very helpful. Um, (laughs) As it screams and charges at him, Tox spears the thing through the goddamn face. Um, Boom, spear through the mouth, bang it at the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Leonidas does to that wolf at the start of 300. Um, That's why I said it's the size of a wolf. There we go. There's
0: a wolf quote for everything.
1: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. Far from over, the bat's the bath's death scream alerts something else nearby. Top realises it's the creature from before, but in his haste to run away, he falls into a clearing uh, where the light was coming from. So he kind of stumbles out into this clearing where the, he was following the light from. He looks up to see the creatures, the aforementioned shadows, gathered around one of the women of his tribe, tied to a stake over their fire. Um, the shadows are about eight foot tall with black slick fur all over their body with the face somewhat like Nosferatu. God, I'm not being subtle anymore, am I? No. Uh, One of the creatures is standing in front of her, biting her neck, really not being subtle at this point. Uh, It moves away to reveal a trail of blood down the front of it. Um, So the black fur is just stained with blood from the move. Nearby, we see the other women in the tribe tied up near the front of the cave. Um, The shadows begin to realize that Tok is there and chase him off. This leads to a long run through the forest, only ending when an exhausted Tock collapses into um, a clearing. The shadows start to move towards him, only stop and turn around for some reason. So they're about to, like, pounce on him, and then all of a sudden they stop and retreat back into the trees. As dawn breaks, Toc lies there exhausted on the ground, but knows that he has to get to cover. He swims across a small body of water and into the trees on the other side uh walking through the forest and clearly frazzled uh tok hears more movement um he jumps out only to find he's holding a spear to olozast part of his tribe has regrouped and we're out looking for the rest of them they lead tok to back uh, back to where the camp is where he finds his dying mother who um fading due to the massive claw marks on her stomach uh, she passes the responsibility of leading the tribe on to tok before she dies this is where it becomes slightly more of, a, of an action movie than a horror movie. Um, mm. The tribes start to uh, retreat, but Top convinces them in a big rousing speech that they have to go and save the rest of their tribe. The hunting party gear up to take down the shadows. Uh, they take what weapons they have and wait until nightfall. Top leads them back to the clearing he fell into before. This time we see things from the shadows' point of view, where the hunters are silently approaching instead of them silently approaching. But as the hunter goes to attack, one of the shadows turns around and screams at him. Uh, the hunters turn round and run into the woods, but this was part of the plan. With the shadow camp deserted, Tok drops down from a tree and frees the women. Before they can escape, however, the hunters reappear, having been chased back to the camp. A melee ensues in which we follow Tok being chased by one of the bigger shadows. In the end, with Tok running uh, through a crowd of his hunters before diving into a hollowed-out lock. The shadow follows him, but when he grabs Tok on the other side, it turns out to be someone else. And Tok is instead in a tree above him, dives down and stabs his shadow straight through the heart with a spear. The other shadows see this and stop their attack. They hell retreat into the forest as day breaks as Tok leads the tribe in a chant of "Tala Tala." So that's the end. I'm not very happy with that ending, I must admit. I think it kind of goes to pot near the end. But I just needed an ending. Um, so... That, as was, you may have that was pretty gathered. good.
0: I Thank enjoyed you.
1: that. As you may have gathered, what I've done there is the origin story of vampires. Yep. So what what I want to like kind of do is just say, we always think of vampires as being like a relatively new. I know it's like medieval times, but you know they're, they're something demonic. They're something otherworldly. You know, this just kind of shows like at that point, Neanderthals were trying to split off and humans were starting to split off and, and became homo sapiens. This is just if it went a slightly different way. Because back then, isolated evolution was much, you know, bigger. Um, This is basically a Neanderthal tribe that kind of went in that direction. They got bigger. They got furrier. They got, um, you know, much more animalistic in their approach. It's basically a reversion of Neanderthals back to a more animalistic type. Yeah. And I thought, well, that makes them more interesting. Like, because then they aren't like some demonic thing they're just what we could have turned out to be they they you know they are they are as they always should be dark reflections of humanity Mm. and this is taken to you know a literal um extent here where they are just a dark they're called shadows for god's sake um and yeah that's what i thought i thought well i kind of want to take it back we can't shoot them we can't we have spears yeah but that's about it they can they're stronger than us they can get us they outnumber us we don't know we're on their turf because we're in romania which is where castle dracula is so that's where that was
0: i should have um, twigged it earlier do you know what do you do you know what i thought that you were doing up until i kind of finally twigged what was going on go on i thought you were doing predator ah I was like, okay, you set it this far back and now we don't even have guns. I was like, fuck, okay, cool, we're doing ah, Predator. And oh, then I was I like, and then as it slowly came, I was like, oh, fuck, that's really good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, it, it, can, can it ties it in. It's not like some new supernatural thing that gets used for one movie and then dropped. It just gives, it gives vampires a, a an origin story. And then they said, well, because this is them realising, well, you know it's, I know, it's primitive, but they're like, well, we can't fight humans because they'll just have resolve we are they are not stopped by sunlight etc etc we need to be more manipulative so this is where they first come in contact with homo sapiens Mm. and then start to kind of you know their 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 evolution goes down the path of well we need to look more like them and but that way we can kind of so we have to get them we can't get them physically is what i'm driving at here they are us. they're they're you know they're faster than us they haven't got some of the weaknesses we have we need to be more seductive and sexy um and it makes vampires scary again because my god the vampires need a shot in the arm at the minute because it's just not going well for them oh god and, yeah and this i think helps that you know they're back to being the scariest thing imaginable they're a lot bigger than us they're you know they they they're stronger than us they can goddamn rip clean off heads and I like the idea of just seeing them silently swarm up to people. You know, mm. it's not necessarily jump scares. It's more, oh, God, that thing is coming and I can't stop it. I want to yell at the screen, turn around, you dickhead. And instead, he just gets woof, pulled aside, head off, boom, that's you've done. That's yeah. pretty
0: cool. That's pretty so dope. That's...
1: My pitch foreshadowed. Like I said, that last bit, you can kind of tell I was I was rushing towards an ending and it just turns into a bit of a an action movie. I like the reversion of, like, the scene from the Shadow's point of view of them being hunted by the hunting party in a reflection of what happened earlier in the hunter's camp.
0: Um, But yeah, that was my idea. I do admire your, um, like, the idea that it does actually have, not a happy ending, but you know what I mean, like, there are survivors. There are are people that will live to tell that tale, which will then spin out to be the legend of vampires and Dracula and stuff like that. I appreciated that, because I can't think of like and even my pitch is guilty of this it can't not kill the main characters like it it has to go to that point of the the, this threat is so great that it consumes our main characters and you haven't done that and it works and i appreciate that it really really works as uh, a it's that's not the final note of that story not saying you could spin a sequel off but like you can then see where the legends come from yeah exactly
1: that's why the bats were there that's why you know they they were well because i wanted it to be the problem with some of these things is i thought well, if you do primal it's it's i didn't want to just be animals around to get them it's yeah. you know there's no thought there there's nothing you know these things are just hunting them like the raptors they're just doing it because that's their instinct i want this to be more you know it's scarier when the thing that's hunting you is thinking about what they're doing. It's not just, you know, it's not just Freddy, not Freddy Krueger. It's not just uh, Jason Voorhees, mm. who is just an unstoppable thing, or like a, a Michael Myers that's just coming to get you. I want it to be a bit more thought-taped, a bit more um, cerebral in that way. Because I think that's scarier than, oh, the big monster's coming to get me. If, oh my God, this thing is coming to get me and it knows tactics. Oh shit, what do we do? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's like, like it's like the, the predator. Um, yeah, like the predator or like the um alien isolation game where like the aliens AI is really fucking good and will look for you. Yeah, like, exactly. That that is scarier than just ah blah 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 shoot it in the face, you know. I think proper horror aficionados could make some of the edge of
1: both their pitches that's more serviceable just by you know properly laying in. Because that's the thing, I didn't want this podcast to go on for four hours, which is what I'd need to really describe the slowly building terror of these things coming to get you. Mm. Like, that takes time, and trust me, you don't want to hear me talk for three hours about the origin of vampires in my Shadow movie with only four cast members. Um, That would get very boring very fast. Um,
0: That that works. Yours, Yours works in that it is condensed, and it is brought down to its basic instincts, and because it's being told in quite fragmented language that kind of allows the mystery to build, which I appreciate a lot.
1: Yeah. So exactly. In in a long form version of this movie, you wouldn't just get to the reveal that, Oh my God, they're vampires straight away. There'd probably be a few more scenes of these things hunting you and you being powerless to do it. Kind of like when they first introduced, um, the, uh, Oh my God, what are they called in game of Thrones? Um, the others, the, uh, the whites, you know what I'm on about. The kind of,
0: um, not the White Walkers. I, I, the, but, White Walkers yes, the White
1: Walkers, um, um, okay, so yeah, it is the White Walkers. So in the very first scene, you see the very first scene of Game of Thrones when the White Walker they stumble across one, it just wipes out all of the Night's Watch that are following it, other than one. That yeah. was kind of the vibe I was going for. Of just you see this thing, you have no idea what it is, you have no idea how to stop it. You can only kind of cower and run away for the most part, but eventually because. I kind of wanted a happy ending and, and the and homo sapiens have to win because then you create a spin to universe where we didn't you because this is like one of the first tribes to try and colonize europe so mm. they couldn't all die and it couldn't just be um jacob Anderson's character who survives because then well he's not going to be able to he's not asexual you know we need the rest of the tribe there so we can carry on so yeah i'm glad that's out there i'm glad that's done we we, we can tick that off the list i, I feel like both of us If we had longer-form podcasts, we could really flesh them out. But let us know
0: what you thought. Yeah, please let us know whether you think uh, Gloomy Sunday or Shadow uh, is the winner of this by commenting on SoundCloud, giving us a tweet, uh, which will be at F-O-U-L-E-N-T, that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T on Twitter, leaving a comment on the Facebook page, same handle, Uh, comments on Instagram, same handle, Uh, or you can let us know personally either me at that Mike Owen on Twitter and Instagram or Darren at the Gutteridge on Twitter and Instagram also, whether you preferred their respective pitches. And I'm not saying there, I was referring to myself in the third person then. That's a bit weird. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. It's it's a weird podcast. It's fine. It is, yeah. I, I appreciated the challenge this one put forward because if the past, uh, how long have we been going? Like 40-odd minutes? Something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if the past 40-odd minutes didn't kind of put it towards it oh christ we might have been going over an hour um didn't tell you that we're not aficionados at this then you know maybe listen again maybe listen to the bits where we've left out key details of horror movies and stuff like that but no i really enjoyed this challenge it's it's really brought made us think a bit more broader outside of the realms of which we are comfortable um yeah i'm looking forward to doing more like this
1: Exactly, we are going to we are going to be carrying on with uh, pitches for the most part because new media is hard to come by. However, <laughs> no, the I'm next kidding. episode does not have that problem because guess who finally watched The Mandalorian? Hey, well, technically that was last. That's last week's episode. Of course, it was. Yeah. yeah so if you just... haven't listened to it, go back and we do. We don't record these date of order. Of course not. If you um... want to listen to that episode, go back and listen to our review of The Mandalorian, which we released on Star Wars Day. I knew
0: that. Yeah, of course she did. Um, and I don't know what's coming next. The the next pitch we're working on is a uh, pitch a female superhero movie, um, but that was supposed to be for when Black Widow came out, or potentially when Wonder Woman came out. Uh, don't know what's going on with that now. No, so. uh-uh. <laughs>
1: and we've had a very exciting idea for
0: a live pitch. I oh, burped in
1: the middle of saying that. That's annoying. <laughs> a live pitch. I <laughs> Uh Where we're gonna? We haven't decided anything yet. But the hope is we're going to come on, give ourselves a time limit of about half an hour and just try and collaboratively come up with an idea.
0: Yeah, that won't be so much a who wins. That will be more of a did we succeed pitch. Did it's humanity very win? I think so. <laughs> In your movie, they did. <laughs> Right then. Uh thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pitch Intense. You know where to find us on the socials in the meantime and we hope to see you in the next episode. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.